six of Retro Encounter RPG fans currently, bi-weekly podcast of many topics. I am Zach Wilkerson, and I am your host today. Um, and today we are here to talk about emotions in RPGs, the moments in RPGs that uh, made us happy, made us sad, made us excited, shocked us. Um, just going through all the moments in RPGs and the moments that hit us the hardest. Um, yeah, live, before... laugh, wrecked us. <laughs> live, laugh, wrecked. I want that t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and so before we uh, get into it, let's go ahead and introduce our panel. Um, and you've already heard from one of them. Uh, so our first panelist is Steph Spidlow. Hello. And Gio Castillo. Hello. Tin Manuel. Hi. And Mike Solosi. Hey, uh, when you said we're here to talk about emotions, I was worried I'd accidentally set up the Zoom for my therapist. But no, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't see it, but every time we said hi in our names, uh, we did like a cool Power Rangers pose, you know. Ha! Oh, I mean, I do that for every podcast. <laughs> see? It's true. Yeah, you just can't see it, unfortunately. Sigh. Video podcast one day. Uh, idea. <laughs> we did we did that one, we did that for episode 200 of random encounter oh, yeah, and i'm still that. and i'm still uncomfortable about it hey <laughs> oh, yeah, i remember different. that i watched the whole thing like <laughs> e- e- even when we have like video calls and i'm on them on staff i just like don't have my camera on so that's how i, I feel about it i didn't have a camera <laughs> i didn't have a camera for that episode i used my work phone and i'm glad i didn't it didn't get me fired but um yeah let's work in an audio only medium please <laughs> It's best for me, for sure. Um, So um, before we get started, so uh, we're going to be talking about video games that sort of cover the gamut of of our coverage. So we're going to talk about like uh, some visual novels, but mostly RPGs. And we are going to spoil the bejesus out of them. Um, So uh, if you're looking at the show notes, I'm going to try to put timestamps in for the different games that we're going to be spoiling. But we'll also name the game before we talk about it. Because let's be honest, uh, oftentimes the endings or the biggest spoiler moments in video games are the ones that hit us the hardest. And so that's going to be those are going to be the ones that we talk about. Um, And we're just going to kind of talk through each one, talk about what worked for us. And we'll have other people chime in as we're going here. But we have a lot of moments to talk about. And I had a very difficult time cutting them down. So each panelist brought two moments today. Um, and we're going to talk about each of them. We're releasing a feature around this too, right? Yeah, that's exactly yeah, so true. That's I, I, thank you for reminding me about that. As the features manager, <laughs> I should remember that. Um, but you, you probably, at this point, uh, the feature isn't up. But when um, when this actually posts, the feature should be available. So you can go check out some of other the other moments that we like also as well. So um, is there anybody who really wants to get us started and talk about one of their uh, most emotional moments in RPGs? Okay, you know what? I'm gonna go with mine. Mine's pretty. Uh, mine's a pretty old game on this list, so why not? Um, so one of the ones I started with was uh, Breath of Fire Four. Uh, just in general, like when we when I talked about we're gonna be doing an, a, a like an emotional moment feature, I did pick Breath of Fire Four. Uh, you could put quite a few moments from the entire series, though. It is a pretty heavy series, surprisingly, even especially for an old one that you know for the first four games was pixels, and you know you're like weeping about these pixel people um and like it's also one of those games that kind of takes you on like a lot of really aimless quests at first like i don't know you just start the beginning kind of living your everyday life uh and then something terrible happens (laughs) i'm only realizing this is true right now yeah just about every single game kind of starts very very quaint and then like your village gets you know be destroyed your friend's uh cool treehouse gets ransacked uh and breath of fire 4 
it's a bit slower to build. There's sort of a dual protagonist thing going on. And so what it is, is like one side is kind of going through and, you know, an okay time kind of learning about the people, the land, you're helping out your party members. And the other one is kind of your level 50, you know, stronger counterpart who kind of gets put through the ringer. Um, so I think one of the things that, again, makes a lot of these moments so impactful is that you'll be doing a lot of dumb side quests before you get to the really hurtful stuff. So you're going to be working a crane in true Breath of Fire side quest minigame fashion. <laughs> At least it's not fishing. And dealing with somebody's death the next. <laughs> um, so primarily I was talking with, uh, like, see i mean i'm just kind of muddled up here there's so many moments you can actually pluck from uh like in breath of fire 2 someone gets crushed to death and it's quite impactful uh, i feel like a breath of fire 2 is the game where like i was it was like my first like kill god game that yeah. game is so dark <laughs> like does, i was playing it when i was like yeah. nine i was like oh no this game is so dark yeah and like i really liked it because that game had uh so breath of fire 2 had something called the dragon tear and it appeared on like important characters uh speech bubbles and what it is is that if the color turned darker it's because they were an evil person if the dragon's tears started flashing rainbows then they were actually a really good person they're on your side you're friends for life kind of thing um but it's cool because yeah as you kind of worked your way into that church you know like the more people you start meeting in saint is like saint of rye or something like that uh, yeah, the more people you start meeting from there, you know, the more of these black icons that start popping up. And it's just kind of wonderfully menacing. And I think, like, one thing that makes Breath of Fire work is that it kind of does these kind of quaint, relatable moments very well. Uh, so I think of something like Final Fantasy Thirteen, where it's like, you know, I've been tasked with a secret mission. I don't know. It's going to, if I don't finish it, it's going to turn me into a crystal or a monster or some bananas. And it's so disjointed from real life, I have trouble sympathizing with it. Um, but Breath of Fire is a bit more practical in that, so again, I picked specifically Breath of Fire 4, where you're trying to search for Nina's sister. She's lost and she's trying to find her. And that's just a very good, simple request. A lot of people with a missing uh, sibling, you know, would be incredibly concerned. So, I mean, the journey to go see that, I think, is very, very relatable. Um, so, like I said, with the villain, you kind of start hanging out with, uh, his name is Faolu. And uh, what it is, is he is the former, emp like, lead emperor of the Fao Empire. Um, but since he's an incomplete god, you know, because he's been split in twain with your other protagonist, um, you kind of lose your power and, you know, you have all these powers. You have all these, you know, the current kingdom as it is right now does not want to give up its power because you've been asleep for so long. They're kind of happy you're asleep. You know, hey, I'm in charge now. I don't want you back. So they keep trying to kill him. And uh, it's very hard because he's very resilient. And so eventually they start, you know, kind of coming at him with, you know, take something he loves, <laughs> which, you know, will obviously piss him off. I'm trying to say stuff without revealing too much, but I guess it's a spoiler cast anyway. So, Fowler, well, I mean, I mean, you already yeah. sort of revealed that Ryu and, and Folu are our <laughs> counterparts, which is a secret that that's saved for the end of the game. But true-ish. But I feel like you kind of because yeah, I haven't even finished yeah. the game, and I feel like even in the first five hours, you kind of have that idea, right? Yeah, they kind of yeah. like wake up together. You know, they're kind of like they kind of give you the hints, and then eventually they just spell it right out, like at chapter, like the end of chapter two or something like that. One of those. Um, Anyway, so one of the times, you know, Falu gets really, really badly hit. He gets, you know, picked up and nursed by a lovely lady named Mommy. And, you know, she's got a real big crush on her because, you know, you're a pretty anime boy. You know, that's what's going to happen. So she's crushing on this boy and she's a little cute country bumpkin. And, like, she's lying to everybody in the village saying, oh, yeah, I'm just taking care of my cousin. Wink, wink. These are Sailor Moon cousins. But um, and so, you know, she's, she's got a crush on him. and She just wants to live a nice life with him. But the Empire is on his tail. 
and eventually while trying to help him escape they take her in for questioning uh but it's a bit more than that they take her in for questioning i.e uh they torture her and kill her and you don't really hear from her again oh my gosh uh it, it's the, the <laughs> it's setup so is even worse than that though so like to throw some of the magic in it by kill her what they have is this magical cannon and the cannon is literally f- fed off people uh and more specifically the tortured people you know so the more you torture them the stronger it's gonna be so the idea is that you know they tortured her like crazy you don't even hear from her at that point like it's just strict science silence they don't show it they just show her getting set up for a sacrifice you got like creepy people chanting in front of it like it's super creepy and they're like yeah ready the sacrifice they shoot the cannon at falu hits directly and the only thing that you actually see from her is the cute little bell she used to wear just like plops down right beside him and and then he kind of goes haywire and he starts like killing everybody and that's breath of fire for everyone <laughs> but like there's a few <laughs> moments like this in the game so like again super duper spoilers you find uh nina's sister uh but by then it's like too late she becomes i'm and i'm being totally serious from the waist down she becomes like one of those akira monstrosities <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she she was like experimented on and yeah. trend is turned into a giant monster. Yeah, so and, it is like humans yeah. be fucking around. They they tried to make her into a god, but instead it just makes you into this gigantic like you know monstrous thing. And so what it is that you know to kind of end the uh, you know endless suffering to power up the super cannon that's going to threaten all the nations and kill everything. Uh, she says, "I need you to kill me," and that's what you do, and you kill her. <laughs> Oh and, and, and 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 hold on, hold on a second. You, but let's not beat around yeah. the bush a little bit. In your party yeah. are Nina, uh, her sister, and um, and Cray, her uh, her lover, her yeah, her, her lover slash boyfriend slash yeah. maybe husband. It's been a while since I played that thing. Yeah. So it's so it's uh, yeah. Like when you finally like from the get go, Ryu's group is going to the faux empire to look for Nina's sister. And uh, Fo Lu is going to the Fo Empire to try and reclaim what was his because he was like prophesied to sleep for a thousand years or something. Yeah. And so the, the the current Fo Empire is trying to destroy Fo Lu instead of instead of welcome him back. And eventually, it ends up like being you know your, the hero team versus Fo Lu, even though all of the most fun parts of the game yeah. are when are when you get to use the level fifty like water dragon given human form Lu to just wreck everything so like uh, <laughs> in that like so you're talking about Lu, which is him he's trying to reclaim his empire and you kind of sympathize for him because yes he had the girl that he liked you know take it from him and he deals with a whole bunch of problems on the way uh our team is kind of dealing with trying to find the sister and eventually you go after Lu. what it is is that we actually don't ever get to go after the person who made the cannon who made the sacrifices who did the planning he actually gets away with it is probably the meanest, like, awfulest crutch of the whole thing. The game has a happy ending, uh, but, like, this one kind of elephant in the room is that, like, the one guy, uh, his name is Yuna, he actually gets away with all of it. Yeah, Yuna was, uh, (laughs) he's like Breath of Fire's, um, I don't know, like Final Fantasy VII Hojo or something. Just, (laughs) just, just just someone who is, uh, I don't remember. What? Does Hojo live? I, I could have sworn you fight him one more time, but I don't. You, you, no, you fight him right at the end of disc two. Um, right. and I'm pretty sure you kill him unless it's. it's... I'm forgetting. Oh my god, I'm brain. I was brain yeah. hard about that mid- return to Midgar point. I don't know why. <laughs> I've played like the beginning Midgar part like twenty oh, times, and yeah. like the rest of the game, like <laughs> the rest of it, like, like five times three times. Yeah, I can't remember anything that happens after 
the end of disc one, which I almost brought that moment, but you know, we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, well, I mean, uh, <laughs> quite recently, I played the beginning part of Midgar once over 40 hours. But, <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> Same here. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if uh, how final, uh, you know, future parts of Final Fantasy seven handle, handle all those emotional moments. But, but going back to Breath of Fire four, um, I, I think it is kind of amazing. You go on these parallel emotional journeys, one person going to the em- empire, one person returning to the empire. And, but those two people are two halves of a whole and they're the result. The outcome of the battle is going to be either Folu ruling the world with an iron fist once again, or you bringing peace to, to the world by sort of defeating the empire that had been ruling everyone with an iron fist. But I, I think it is there. I would put extra emotional weight, to the section where mommy dies because uh, because Folu like I, I think he has a bit of a dim view or a low view of humanity in general yeah and and he had that like little sparkling chance there's that chance for like redemption yes. and light and like oh he could just be at peace Th- there was one there was one opportunity for him to settle down to a peaceful life but then the people chasing him just completely erased that and yeah. then sealed their own fate by you know setting Folu loose it was do you remember Goodness that gracious. part of the game where it's like a boar opens a door for you? <laughs> oh, I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no so, context for that, but I love it. <laughs> there, well, well, okay, there, there are so many. There are so many animal people in Breath of Fire that yeah, that's fair. Like, so it's like, an actual like, animal. I'm happy to say. Okay, so and that's what like, makes it more tragic. Okay, so like. What it is, is like you save this boar from like being cursed in the woods or whatever. It's just a nice innocent boar. Like it turned into a monster because, you know, these things happen in video games. Uh, and like there, there's a couple a nice of those. There's a couple boar. of those in Octopath Traveler, too, that I played earlier this year. <laughs> yeah, it's in Strand of Princess Mononoke. Um, okay. So then at one point you encounter like a fucking, myst- sorry, uh, a mystical door. <laughs> and of course it needs like a blood sacrifice to open. And, you know, he, your Falu is like, thou stupid boulder can't stop me, you know. But then all of a sudden that boar you saved comes up and starts ramming into the boulder. There's blood. And, like, does it until it dies. And it Bro. makes, like, that awful, like, that awful, like, slaughtering sound, like, for the final oh. hit. You know, that, ah, you know, and, like, <laughs> it just kind of kills me. I'm just there dying over this, yeah. like, sad little pixel creature. I only I got like five it. hours into Breath of Fire 4 because I couldn't handle like the camera with the R's and the L's. It's so but confusing. Now, right now, now I, I must. I must I, play this video game. You have Because I've played Breath of Fire so 1, good. 2, and 3. I love them all. But now this, the I, animation this, this too. must it's happen. It's like Capcom 2D on crack. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it looks I, yeah, incredible. The, the sprite animations are amazing. Um, so maybe good. don't play it on a Vita because when I played it on a Vita, oh. whenever you touched, whenever you tapped the back of the uh, the back of the controller, oh. it thought it thought you were pressing um, L, L2 or R2. Oh, that's so, good. So so like so my 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 camera and or menus were spinning all the time until I disabled it. But okay. uh, <laughs> but no, I really think Breath of Fire Four is special. It's probably my favorite game in the series. Although I haven't played three or Dragon Quarter very much, uh, Dragon Quarter is like one that again people could talk about. There's a lot of good <laughs> emotional moments in that one. Too. Uh, Tin, you talked about Dragon Quarter on another episode of Retro Encounter a few months yeah. ago. Good for yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> we are friends G- now. <laughs> Gio and Tin, have either of you played uh, Breath of Fire Four? Yeah, sorry, I, I did, did actually, but no, it but has it... been a long time for me, so <laughs> I really actually want to go back to it again. Yeah, I mean, as for me, like I, I've never played it. <laughs> <laughs> me either. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. Um. I'm exhausted already. <laughs> I was gonna say you, you've given us a lot of this point stuff. I love it. I love the energy. Uh, so uh, uh, thanks to Solosi, he kind of like when I was just had it all in my head coming out at once. Uh, I think Solosi kind of put it back on track. Yeah. Good at that. 
I've, I've, I've done a couple of these before. Yeah. <laughs> Just a few. What episode is this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Does anybody want to go next? I, I can go next. Um, I, I picked a different game that involves dragons indirectly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, for, yeah, well, for the for the written feature that uh, I think is already published at the time of this episode coming out, um, I, I wrote about Yakuza three and a major character death in that because Yakuza has been my newest obsession over the past three years in video games. But uh, but I, I don't think that Yakuza three moment is the uh, Yakuza moment that made me feel the most emotions. So I'm going with uh, a different game in the same series. Uh, Yakuza Seven, aka Ryugagatoku Seven, aka Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um, so good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One's journey from homelessness to the top of uh, what was it? Ichiban Holdings, where you have millions of yen flowing. Uh, try trillions of yen trillions, flowing. Sorry, I, yes. I, 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 yeah, I even... it, was, it was billions for me. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I, 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 co I coached a couple other people through that mini game, so I, I think I might have hit the, tri you, the trillion. You definitely helped me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, but... Two straight days. That's like the only thing I did. It was weird. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I did all so the uh, the entire Ichiban Holdings mini game in just in chapter five when you unlock it. Yeah. <laughs> so I. Do you so know I how did... much more difficult that makes it? Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I would. So I would, I would do like you can't I, recruit yet. Well, I would do like one part of the story, then I would go out and do more side quests and recruit more managers, and then do another part of the story. And I, I sort the of did was my back best and forth. Employee. I mean, what do you uh, do? <laughs> I, 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 actually, one of one of my best employees was the English learning "Go your way, believe yourself" guy. He did a. Um, he, he's a very very good manager when you do his side quests. But anyway, I, I'm not talking about any of that those emotional moments. Um, Ichiban's entire journey is so emotional, and the payoff at the end is such a catharsis. It, and then it's ripped away from you that I like I was a complete mess at the to ending. To its of... credit, there is man tears in that game. Like, <laughs> oh no no! Emotional. That is the difference between Ichiban and Kiryu. And Kiryu yeah. for se for seven games, True. um, he is he is so stoic and so and that. and so tough that in the handful of times that he does yell or cry, it, it's unusual. Yeah. But like but Ichiban will full on ugly cry at the drop of a hat. Um, it like 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 Kiryu is this total stone face. Um, um, tough former gangster that it has an obsession with not dragging in the people he loves and cares about into gangsterhood. While Ichiban is like strutting around town, saying, "Hey, I used to be in the Yakuza. We're, 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 are you Tojo Clan?" But also is has much more joy and much more. Uh, you write a doctorate on their differences. <laughs> I it's really so could. much fun. Like... Yeah, yeah. Ichiban. Um, the thing about him is he has his emotions on his sleeve all the time, which is totally untrue of Kiryu. Yeah. So everything that Ichiban goes through, like when you as you're playing the game, you sort of feel it along with him because he is pure. He is a very pure soul that is only honest and only emotional. Yeah, he's one of the good Yakuza, everybody. Yeah, he, he doesn't he doesn't even think of Yakuza being uh, being bad. He just thinks he, the reason he joins the Yakuza was because a Yakuza boss um, saved his life and cut off his own finger. When uh, when Ichiban was a, was a teenager that didn't even know him, and so he was just so inspired that he decided to become a yakuza. And I think he thinks being a yakuza is more like having so much respect for your patriarch than than actually actually yeah. being a criminal. Even though you definitely shake down some like uh like you, you do you do loan shark work in the first yeah. thirty minutes it's of the pure game. Pure samurai code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about Ichiban is that he goes through everything with so much gratitude 
even though he's been through so much. Uh, I, I'm gonna here's a crash course of the first couple hours of the game. Um, you you uh you, you you learn about Ichiban's backstory, and then you go to jail for 18 years for a murder you did not commit. And when you, and the first thing he does out out of jail, he's expecting because uh because he did this as a favor to his patriarch that he that he thinks that his former clan is just going to be there to to welcome him back with a hot meal and open arms but what happens is there's no one waiting for him it's so brutal it's so sad like he's like guys i'm back i'm so glad to see you again and then there's no one (laughs) so so the the first several hours after that are ichiban confusingly stumbling around town trying to get hold of people that were in his former organization and he learns that his former patriarch that he loves no uh, more than anyone else in the world uh, betrayed his organization and is now working for a rival Yakuza gang. If there's Tojo clan and Omi Alliance stuff that we don't need to go into, into here. So for most of the game, Ichiban is just trying to figure out like what happened. And by the end, it, it, it's, and, and for a while, he uh, he lives with a with a group of homeless people that Steph alluded to. And at the end, and um, but each each Ichiban approaches all of it with just incredible gratitude. Like, Gumption, like, what, like yeah, when when he gets a terrible apartment above a gr- brothel that's a little bit too damp, he's just like, oh, thank you so much for this place. And when he gets a job working for a different brothel from a guy who's such a, who's a total scumbag. He is just incredibly grateful to that scumbag in a way that's a little uncomfortable. It's like, Ichiban. Helping sex workers is honestly a very like positive message. I love that. No, no. Yeah. yeah. This game, very progressive so game. Yeah. No, it, it, it treats the plights very of the, it, it treats the plights of the homeless and sex workers mm-hmm. and, um, and struggling immigrants with a lot of yeah. sensitivity. Yeah. It's true. It, yeah, it's, w- it's brilliant on that front. Honestly, <laughs> agreed and and the thing is and but ichiban approaches all of them just as like as as people that need help and him as a person who wants to help it just makes him just just incredibly lovable as a protagonist and all this awful stuff that's happened to him less the least of which isn't going to jail for 18 years for a crime he didn't commit skipping way way ahead he finds the people responsible for the crime that that uh that put him in the that put him in the slammer realizes that they're uh behind yeah you know it's oh boy it's really convoluted but but basically the person that uh that put him that put him in prison is now in charge of a national organization that is really really harming the homeless and immigrants and sex workers and uh and the stuff that ichiban like is uh, uh wants to protect more than anyone else and uh another another antagonist um, kills the patriarch that that ultimately was doing uh, uh, did this to sort of save his clan and and not betray the the clan and so Ichiban does have a few like thirty glorious minutes where his uh, where his adopted dad loves him again, <laughs> um, but oh but it's all ripped away when the patriarch dies, uh, and and there's a a big scheme to sort of make it all tumbling tumble down but basically the the two back-to-back final bosses of the game are you beating the pants off of the guy that uh that killed your dad and then and then beating up your uh former friend that put you in prison and uh and and is is trying to dismantle um like the, the the people that live in in uh in in the lowest rungs of japanese society but and the and so it's a huge moment of catharsis when you get to when when you get to beat up both of them but then the thing is, at the end, Ichib- Ichiban forgives him. Yeah. He, yeah. he gives him a hug and just wants them to be friends again. Yeah. 
and uh and i and totally i in character I, I, yeah it's totally in character for him but i could barely handle it like th- this game could have been a very straightforward re- messy revenge story yeah and and it's and it's a little bit like that when you uh when you're beating up the guy that killed that uh that killed uh, uh that, that killed the yakuza patriarch but like you sort of want the, this guy that put you through all this to really suffer for it and i mean he does you do beat him up and and dismantle his organization but but Ichiban just like just just he just yeah. Yeah, he he wants them to be to be friends and family again, and then at like right when you think Aww. there might be a happy ending, um, a minor character from that you haven't seen in a long time, uh, it, it kills the uh, Ichiban's uh, friend in cold blood. And that was so brutal. Like everything was like it was just like that moment. Yeah, like with Fao Lu. It's like this is the moment. Like everything's gonna be good. No final boss. There is no game after this. Just peace. And then they rip uh, it away cruelly. Just ripped it away. Yeah. It's I, I like I I went through so many emotional arcs over those last couple final bosses. Not the least of which was because one of uh, that that first guy has a one hit kill that uh that oh, made gosh. me that made me start <laughs> over from the beginning. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But uh. And and we I can use their names I guess uh, like uh, 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 Tendo is the guy that killed um mm. that 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 killed your patriarch and Aoki is the name of the final boss but like if I recall he wasn't even that tough but he he did like kind of the boss thing where he no no no, no no Tendo is the gameplay final boss and yes, Aoki yeah, and yeah. and Aoki is the emotional yeah yeah yeah, 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 actually, yeah yeah no no yeah, Tendo's yeah. the gameplay final boss and Aoki is the emotional final boss because all you, it, it's only like four <laughs> or five rounds of punching an each RPG, other it's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it it is like it's <sighs> i feel like it's really easy to kind of uh underestimate just how great yakuza is i think people see it as like a gta kind of you know uh, you know side pivot uh but it's a lot different it's really a lot different i think it kind of structures the story more in a in a drum- dramatic affair no it it, it is and it's I, a I lot think... less realistic and just more of that kind of tells a story when they were marketing those first couple games in the west they tried to um sell it as japanese gta but really it's more like if the sandbox like sandbox. it's more like this team of japanese developers Uh played like 10 hours of shenmue then watched a thousand hours of anime and old samurai and yakuza dramas and then made a game like that (laughs) yes and because it's, it's so over the top and varying wildly in tone but there are sort of these incredibly emotional dramatic stories at the center of each of them with very convoluted plots that aren't worth explaining but i i I think because yakuza like a dragon has such an emotional man at the center of it in ichiban and everything he goes through is so wild and the clashes against the maiden antagonists of the game are such an uh, emotional different two different kinds of emotional releases that when i think of an emotional moment in in a yakuza game it's probably the ending of Yakuza Like a Dragon, but second most is um, is uh, Kiryu screaming the name of his dead friend in Yakuza 3. So, uh, you know, since Lucy was just talking about uh, games with dragon in the title, I'm going to move to one, uh, the, the best series that has dragon in the, in the title, mm. uh, which is Dragon Quest XI, um, or Dragon Quest in general. But I'm going to talk specifically about Dragon Quest XI, but it does... Oh, man, I was sure it was going to be the seventh dragon for the PSP. <laughs> <laughs> What even is that? Uh, it, it's it's the Rieko Kodama game uh, that she made after Skies of Arcadia, and it's a, it's a weird dungeon crawler. And we should talk about Dragon Quest instead. Okay, that sounds kind of interesting, honestly. <laughs> but uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, so I could talk about a ton of moments in Dragon Quest Eleven. Um, Lucy and I were talking about this before we started recording. There's um, 
when you meet the eighth character um, in part two. Um, there are uh, death moments uh, that uh, come up during Dragon Quest XI. There's uh, all these moments that not only are emotional within the context of Dragon Quest XI, but also moments that are emotional within the context of being a person who is a fan of the series. And I'm going to focus on one because of that. Um, and it's the end credit sequence of Dragon Quest XI, which I think is uh, so brilliant that I, I'm afraid I'm going to get emotional talking about it. <laughs> um, I, I definitely did during mine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so right <laughs> my, my first RPG ever that I ever played was uh, Dragon Quest One or Dragon Warrior One at the time uh, with my grandparents. Um, and um, th then I've sort of, you know, been like an, on an RPG journey with my grandparents and my family a lot uh, over the years. Um, and, and that's been a, an important part of my life. And at the end of Dragon Quest Eleven, which is a game that is steeped in um, the past, especially Dragon Quest Three, and sort of yeah. the story um, of Dragon Quest One, Two, and Three, um, you get during the credit sequence just like these little snippets and shots of uh, moments from Dragon Quest One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven, Eight, Nine, and Ten. Um, and as it's playing, it seems like such a simple thing that it would just be like, oh, it's just like we're just like kind of looking back because this is sort of a culmination of. Uh, everything we've learned about RPGs. But for me, it felt like a culmination of everything that I have experienced as a player of RPGs. Um, it made me think about... Um... Sorry, guys. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. Some of these moments, yeah. man, I'm telling you. Yeah. It, it, it made me think about um, my grandma and my grandpa. Um... um <laughs> I wasn't expecting to do this. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it, it, I mean, Dragon Quest Eleven hits hard because in a way it's a game about uh, nostalgia and memory. I mean, the, the, its Japanese subtitle is In Search of Lost Time, which which might be a Proust reference. I'm not positive. It's actually but, pretty uh, poignant a title now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, um, and, and, and that's also the name of the, the French uh, novel, Remembrance of Things Past. But, but anyway, the... Uh, like like there's there's even this game has a lot of grandpa energy in it mm -hmm. because like like you um the, the protagonist meets his adoptive grandfather in in a flashback sort of time travel thing and then there's uh the moments where uh where the character rab like goes through the the ruins of his lost kingdom and thinks about his daughter and son-in-law that passed to, to save him and and you, the main character, because Rab is the main character's grandfather. And then with that, uh, there, there's a lot of moments like that. But then the, in the end credit sequence, where they they go through the first ten Dragon Quest games, in in uh and and sort of it, like from the eight bit era to uh, I, I guess Dragon Quest ten was on the Wii first. It it, it like it it makes you think of your entire Dragon Quest journey. And, yeah. and 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 it hits so many um emotional and nostalgic notes that if you have any love for the series then when you're going through that end credit sequence all of it will come flooding into you at once and i and i and uh, i'm sorry to put you on the spot zach but I, I think like you probably did think of playing those those games with your grandparents yeah. uh like when you when you uh, when you saw those um those end credit scenes and, I, and i'm sure it was incredibly powerful for you to have a, such a personal connection to, to dragon yeah. quest one and, no, and and see it play out and it's uh, and you're totally right i mean like um and, and part of my emotion with it is my you know my grandma just died recently um sorry and um i'm sorry to hear that yeah. no it's fine i mean you guys, it's, it was a while ago but my point is this um that like it it is such a beautiful way of 
um representing um like sort of rpgs journey in general like you can sort of see the way that the medium has evolved and dragon quest isn't exactly known for its evolution right but um the developers kind of mature right exactly and so you've seen that evolution and you've seen sort of um especially for probably most of us who are on this podcast right like Mm -hmm. we are people who grew up on these games um and regardless of your personal connection to those things like you still are a person who has been raised almost by rpgs and you can sort of see it even if you don't love dragon quest you know what i mean like i know that some people aren't huge dragon quest fans but you recognize how significant it is um and i think that is what makes that moment so yeah. powerful yeah i wept openly at the at the, <laughs> at the, at the ending. and, and, and um, dragon quest one wasn't my first rpg i got into those games sort of after i got into final fantasy and others but i um but but like it had a bit of a weird release history here, though, so it's probably not surprising that a lot of Dragon Quest fans got found later. That that is true of, of me, yeah. at least. Um, and but the I had Dragon Warrior on the NES, and that game just terrified me. I I rented a couple of them, but didn't uh, didn't really get into them deeply until I played uh, Dragon Quest four and five on on emulators in the two thousands. But but anyway, like like uh, that end credit sequence will make you think about everything you love about the series that you've played up to the, that point. It, it, when, while I was watching it, I was, it, at one point I thought, is this going to be the last Dragon Quest game? As, is like, as, as Yuji Horii, is he just deciding to look back on everything and make this the last one? But it, that's why they're kind of talking about 12 being a different direction a lot. I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate too much about what 12 is, oh, but, yeah. but, but, I, but I really think that Horii and the other writers of the game, of these games, like, uh, their personal experiences do show through a little bit like like uh, when when hori had a gambling problem he he put he put a casino in <laughs> dragon in, in, in dragon quest problem? you know in you know, well, he's he's commented on it in interviews before where he says oh. well yeah i had a gambling problem for a while and lost a lot of money so i put a casino in dragon quest 5 so i could save go to the casino and if i lost all my money i could reload <laughs> and so <laughs> just like like and and i think that probably he was at a point in I think he was at a point in his life where he was thinking about the past a lot and about and and um maybe his legacy maybe uh maybe his grandchildren I'm not sure if he has grandchildren or not but so he made this game that's about memory and has big grandpa energy. That's interesting. Yeah, I think you see a lot of the context of uh developers kind of start flipping as they go from you know, I hate to say it but like you know younger bachelors to you know being you know family men I guess. And just some of that perspective and how they write, I think, flips a little bit. Yeah. So I feel like I haven't heard from you a lot, Geo and Ten. Have either of you played Dragon Quest Eleven? You know, I do have it, but I haven't started on it. <laughs> it's a long game yeah. to start. Uh, I'm I'm personally like saving it, like for because like I'm trying to go through the series like in order, and I'm yeah. still in like That's a great way to do it. Yeah, Dragon Quest Six is like I want that feeling of like because like you know you said like it all it it references each and every dragon quest games like i want that mm-hmm. feeling of like all of it like coming back to me at the end. like yeah yeah it's a it's a good way to do it um i mean nine is not um as easy to play nowadays because of just um the online functionality networking as well but one through eight definitely worth getting through before you play yeah before you play 11 yeah nine is screaming for a switch remake because oh, it, i agree <laughs> the, the, that's the console with the built-in community and mobility to maybe sentinels right uh, uh sentinels of the starry skies yeah okay. um uh and and i think oh, i forget this japanese title but the uh 
it's it's about it's about angels and wish granting and but also yeah. about community and multiplayer it's it's it's, its own thing but I, I but totally uh, live for the differences between like the japanese title versus an english title <laughs> i love that kind of stuff i live for the differences in the covers too especially in Dragon yeah Quest. right <laughs> <laughs> it's like some big cg thing on the american cover and like very cute basic artwork from akira toriyama on the japanese one if i recall it's always that it's always it's so always that <laughs> But I don't know. You yeah. get two different flavors, at least that way. Whatever. I agree. So Dragon Quest Eleven, good. Go play it <laughs> if you haven't yet. Um, so uh, we're going to move to uh, our next person. So from Like a Dragon to Dragon Quest and to taking care of a dragon <laughs> in Monster Rancher 2. So for me, um, I'm not sure if some of you played it here. Or oh, uh, I I put in my old Green Day and Offspring and Blink One Eighty Two CDs into my PlayStation to see what monsters they would create. That's such a cool system. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you never borked the game. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, my first impression of this game was like, it was, I really find it uh adorable or in it well, like I I witnessed my brother playing it first, uh, playing Monster Rancher one and two, but only like parts of it. Not I, I really didn't see him, um, like religiously watched him the entire time. So like the gist that I had with this game is just like it, it was just like those, um, uh, Tamagotchi thing back then, where you like take care of your pets. And then you feed them, you train them, and, and like you just watch over them daily. And w- with that concept, I was just automatically intrigued by it. And uh, I told myself I would want to play it when, when, whenever summer break would would just come. So yeah, I was still young, and I I, I totally don't remember anymore what year was that. But I was just still in grade school or elementary so um yeah i decided to uh give it a try and my first monster pick was a mochi it was like this it was like a glutinous monster it was jellies or and was it literally looks like the mochi snack yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) the japanese mochi snacks yeah it's so cute yeah it's so cute yeah yeah, yeah. So, it, it's something like in between a marshmallow, a, a penguin, and an armadillo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a perfect uh, description. Um, <laughs> so I even like uh, studied religiously on like which stats should I focus on training uh, this monster, and but all in all, like I, 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 I even looked up into reading some game facts, like. Um, how with um which skills I should learn and all that, and after a while, um, uh, there's this portion right in the game where, where you actually feed them daily as well, and you pick out which food you're gonna feed them. And as a as a kid, I didn't, it, it for me it's like it didn't matter. It just you know I was just like oh okay, it's time to feed after a training or like after a tournament. So. It didn't really matter to me that I had to also watch over whatever they're eating. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I just kept 
trying to train my monster and trying to earn badges in tournaments. And then just like, there were actually a bit of hints. Like the trainer, when you're playing the game, it would mention some days when your your monster is feeling tired or extra stressed or it would start showing some signs. Yeah, it would start showing some signs when they're not feeling well or um they just won't uh gain any stats from doing any uh trainings like they would just fail the trainings so i i didn't i didn't actually think that the, uh, this game has like uh they have like an option where your monster is actually going to die cuz <laughs> number one my brother did tell me like whenever I'd watch him, it's just like battling or like doing some trainings, and I did see, I did see him do the option of like freezing his monster, and then like combining it after to a new one, like so you would, um, inherit or get the stats of that old monster. But yeah, he never told me anything about death <laughs> in this game, <laughs> so. Yeah, to my surprise, one day um it just went into this cutscene and it was like this evening thing and there was a shooting star and then suddenly the music just turned really sad and you would just <laughs> and they will literally show your monster um um falling off like to the floor and and their soul leaving their bodies and it'll, it'll just fly up out and yeah <laughs> and as like as a kid playing that i didn't know what yeah i didn't know how to feel like I, is the game over like um <laughs> what am i supposed monster, to do yeah <laughs> that is completely heartbreaking and maybe especially since i mean i mean, i don't know if he mentioned it but like like in the early monster hunter games you would put in a music CD, and then that would be the starting stats and randomizer for the starting for a monster that you got. So for a, a monster that you raise in a video game, coming from your music collection, you you train with it and battle it and 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 live with it, and then possibly it passes on and and possibly even teaches a child what the like the meaning of life and death for the first time. <laughs> Is the fact it, that. I never it, it, had it, it, it's, any it's like, grief experience during yeah, that time. It, it, it's <laughs> like it's like losing a beloved pet if you're not if you if it happens mm-hmm. to you and you're not and you're not expecting it. And anyone that's that's raised an animal before will, uh, knows that's one of the worst feelings yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. And back then, oh. I, I never had a pet yet, so <laughs> there was I, there was a funny moment in The Simpsons I remember where like Lisa's really upset and goes to goes to Marge and Marge is like, "What's wrong, honey? Did one of your fictional characters die?" <laughs> and I'm so happy. I love that Monster Rancher and The Simpsons came up in the same conversation. <laughs> Excellent, I love it. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Yeah, just something about even, like, the, the animals dying. Like, I accidentally hit my horse in Breath of the Wild. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe there's thing you could do. I was like, I would never yeah. wish this. Like, I literally will not read or watch anything where the dog dies. Yeah. I, there's, like, right. a website called Does the Dog Die? And <laughs> I look at it every time. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate that. It just, ugh. 
yeah, it just kills me on the inside. Yeah, I project too much on the, you know, my dog, and I'm an absolute wreck when I've when I've lost a pet. You'll hate Tokyo Jungle, that dogs die in oh. that game all the time. <laughs> I don't know if you guys yeah. played that. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, but now that. I absolutely will not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for the warning. <laughs> oh, my, my backlog just got one game fewer. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know what game I liked was EVO, where I got to, you know, become an evolutionary monster with an increasing bite size. <laughs> and I, you know, slaughtered all the animals throughout history. <laughs> did nobody else play that game? No, no. I did not. We have a features writer working on a feature for it right now. Wait, wait, you, you, I, you mean, I, I have always thought of that game as called, being called Evo, the, the Search for Eden. Is that the one you're talking about? That is the one yeah, I'm talking oh, okay, about. Okay. I don't know if there was periods in between, sorry. Okay, uh, no, no, I didn't know either. I, I just I just always thought about that as Evo and not EVO, but maybe that's because... ahead of its time. Like, maybe it's because was... I love fighting game tournaments. I'm not sure. There's a dead animal situation that you have to kill, like, a mean parent, and then, like, you see, like, behind it, a baby coming out, mama, mama, and I'm like, I... Dang I, it. I, I need I need this to stop. <laughs> hey, uh, hey! In, in in Lost Judgment, you get to solve mysteries around town with a detective dog, and that sounds that is totally true. It's actually the best part of Lost Judgment by far. <laughs> and, 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 and also, uh, it's a persistent side quest through the whole game, and you also get to you get to um, rescue seven stray cats, and if you rescue all of them, they teach you. Uh, oh my god! My the... dog just came in. Come here, girl. You heard me talk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, I I like I like dog positive and cat positive RPGs. Not not uh, uh, and but I I did mess around with Monster Rancher. Um, it, although I'm I'm more used to games where you hunt monsters and instead of ranch them, as it were. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I messed around with those with a couple uh friends in the early two thousands, and um I, I didn't experience the same moment as having an, uh, uh, a monster unexpectedly die on me. Because mm. I, I think I was always just eager to freeze and fuse them into new monsters. Yeah. But the uh, but I like for a game to give you the same feeling, or or, uh, or close fuse to it as monsters. Is this like a is this a two two Vic situation from uh, from Star Trek? Uh, well, I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen a lot of Star Trek. It's it's a, it's a little bit like Dragon Quest monsters where you get stronger <laughs> ones instead of having them evolve or breeding them. You have you combine them. Star Trek mm -hmm. nerds, I'm winking at you right now. You know, oh, yeah, oh, Jono and Quentin and and others on RPG fan are, are their ears are burning right now. But I'm I'm afraid I've I'm I'm afraid I've I have uh, oh boy I think I've seen fewer than ten episodes and only three of the movies. So I'm not a I'm I'm a I'm not a good nerd. I haven't watched enough Star Trek. <laughs> I'm not so, a good nerd. <laughs> so if we're talking about Star Trek, it's probably time future. for us to move on to our next moment. <laughs> <laughs> so Gio, we haven't heard from you yet, and I gotta say, this is a spoiler alert for anybody who's listening, Gio's moments are both no offense to anybody else, yeah, but Gio's moments are both excellent. You could you could have just put Mother Three and stopped it there. <laughs> yeah. Or you know. could just say Mother Three, eh? Mother Three. <laughs> yeah, what's the saddest part of Mother Three? Is it the first chapter, the last chapter, or all of the chapters? Or any of the middle chapters. Um <laughs> I guess you're talking about Mother 3 first, Gio. Yeah, I think I am. Because, uh, you know, I mean, it's it feels kind of connected to what you were talking about with, like, Dragon Quest Eleven a while ago. Like, your family is, like, it's all about family. It's a family bonds. And um, I guess I, I could Mother say... Mother 3 is the, is the Fast and Furious of RPGs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I could have easily gone with, like, a, a million other moments in Mother 3. But, like, I feel like... I just always think back to that final confrontation between like Lucas and the masked man, like his brother Klaus, 
who is like uh lobotomized i guess and like um and it's like hinawa's spirit calling to him this and is after a certain pig army boss as well right? yeah yeah after like, like he gets imprisoned in a heavy. yeah it's it's heavy stuff and yeah. and um in the battle like your dad like his dad like gets in the way of like uh, of like an attack and like you know I, he doesn't die but like it's, it's it adds to like this building sense of like hopelessness and yeah. stuff yeah and um what always gets me is like this the the kill shot like the line that Hinawa tells Klaus like you must be so exhausted come come to your mother oh my god I it 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 screws me up every time it's it's just this beautiful story and like the music that plays throughout and like and then there's like this flashback to when Lucas and Klaus are like kids like or like infants and then they're like um Hinawa and and Flint are like talking they're like hey um like I, I like they were like what how, how do you want these kids to grow up to be and like they're like uh, Hinawa's like oh I want them to be kind like you and then Flint's like oh I was gonna say I want them to be kind like you and it's like oh Oh, it, my heart. I mean, it, 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 it's so devastating because the first chapter of Mother 3, um, uh, Hinoa passes away and Lucas goes missing. And then in the final chapter, like Lucas sees his brother for the first time in years. And, uh, and it ends with, with that line from Hinoa, presumably from the, from the great beyond. It, it just, this game is full of so many emotions and they just hit you all at once after that final confrontation. Because it's, it's, a, it's a one-on-one between Lucas and Klaus that uh that that is just absolutely devastating with uh like sort of lucas sort of wants to save his brother and klaus is sort of slowly remembering his brother Uh, and and it's it it is it is absolutely devastating i remember playing that part and my jaw was just hanging there like you could throw things in it (laughs) yeah Yeah. i i i i I wasn't surprised that the masked boy ended up being klaus like that's the kind of plot uh, projected almost. yeah that's the kind of plot twist that you can see coming a little bit it's 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 foreshadowed but you can um do it though but 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 just that final confrontation is just incredibly powerful and 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 yeah, this sort of is a game about sort of um, about an emotional journey and, and and Lucas and his family and just um and sort of seeing their their uh their their world crumble and change around them and wanting to save it but not being able to totally reclaim it. Yeah. it it's it, Mother Three is a beautiful, very good game, I think, but it's also a little bit soul draining. Yeah, that's actually yeah. a good way to put it. Like by the end of it, you're just kind of like. <laughs> Like, you kind like, of have like, like, I need a hug. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but Zach, good news. Um, the dog does not die in Mother Three. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, we yeah. played that together on Retro oh, Encounter. Okay. okay. Oh, that's right. You, we <laughs> were on those my, episodes one, together. One I'm of sorry. my favorite recordings. Now you're good. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, Boney's a very good boy. Yeah. I mean, Mother Three, um, as I think someone alluded to earlier, like top to bottom, you could have picked. Yeah. so many different moments from that game that game is so Boney, brilliant Boney M. <laughs> um, i love earthbound but like mother three for me is like working on in just Russia another ago, there was a certain <laughs> man there was a certain dog and his bite was made of <laughs> <laughs> oh my god how, how did we get into like 70s german <laughs> funk techno groups because i don't just know that good. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just that good <laughs>
Oh, if if someone had picked Shadow Hearts, we really could have had a rah rah Rasputin moment. I know that's that appears in the in the final document actually. Yeah, somebody picked Shadow Hearts, and I was really happy that they did because th- that the whole like, you know, how Shadow Hearts two ties into one is really interesting, if a little bit back to the futurey. Yeah, if we're in the midpoint of the podcast right now, listeners, you should check out that uh, emotions feature because it has yeah. it has a lot of very emotional, very fascinating testimonials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but, but G- G- Gio, uh, uh, absolutely ruin our feelings with some more Mother Three, please. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. You know, I mean, uh, I actually like for the feature, like I brought up like a completely different moment, like just um, like in the middle of the game, like you're, you play as this monkey, like named Salsa. Oh, yeah. The gifts. Yeah. yeah. And like, he's like this, the slave of like this guy named Facade. And like this. He did that dance. Yeah, he does. He makes him do the dance and stuff. And it's cute. But it's also like he's being forced to do it. So you don't want to feel you don't feel too good about it. And like. <sighs> Oh man, and then like at some point you're you're asked to like, you're you're forced to like um deliver like these ex- essentially like televisions to people. Right? I know like they're not really televisions, but they they kind of are. So like you're supposed to deliver them all around the island, and like some uh, it's like it's not it's not really like a sad moment for me, but like I guess the context in which I played, I played it with my siblings, and like also just the idea that you're kind of contributing to like the decay of this island like you're you're gonna rot these people's brains like you just know it's gonna happen but like there's yeah. nothing you can do and it's just this I mean, it's, sad moment yeah it's fascinating too because it, it gets to like the ways in which we do the same thing right mm-hmm. <laughs> um and it so me, like i always think about that um the the person who fan translated mother three like has literally they're an official translator in the industry but they've literally offered the script for free they just want the game localized so other people can play it that badly because it's such a big deal like you know earthbound has its moments but mother three honestly really ramps it up and uh who was it who did it like brownie brown i think yeah brownie brown. company but yeah they, they did right. such a good job yeah like some of the stuff they do in that like it's you know it's honestly such an amazing experience yeah mother three is good that sunflower field kills me every time. Oh, oh yeah. They, 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 decided, they decided to make an entire <laughs> chapter only 12 minutes, but it's 12 absolutely devastating minutes. Yep. <laughs> the stuff with, uh, with the leader of the, of the you know, pig army, I hate that. Like, that whole finale for them is just honestly just sat in, like, I remember just sitting there late at night because I played that part at, like, 3 a.m. because there was no stopping the train at that point. And, like, I remember just sitting in my bed. I was like, man, that is dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean like yeah. the way he uh like his final conceals yeah conceals well, yeah. Himself? yeah yeah no no he he locks himself in the in a well, i forget the what it's absolutely called. safe capsule device yeah yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, it. yeah. that's it yeah it's like ha i am perfectly safe in here and there's nothing in here and i will be locked in here for eternity that means i win it's like are you sure you've won <laughs> right yeah one of them rhetorical wins you know uh, <laughs> uh speaking of video games that almost Almost any single moment could work from. I'm going to pick on you again, Gio. You want to talk about your next moment? Oh, man. Yeah, please talk about it. Yeah. Ooh, we're going in snake draft order. It's so exciting that we're going to get the HD update of this game soon. Like, I I can't even tell you how exciting that is. I think. Exactly. What am I saying? Who do you think you're talking to? I'm taking a month off of work. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care that I'm a teacher. They could teach themselves. Screw them. Oh, weird. Um, this semester, our, our 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 curriculum is unusually Suikoden two focused. 
<laughs> Which speaking of Geo, go ahead and talk about Suikoden so too. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's. I mean, I, I kind of had a theme. Like, I went with a theme for like my picks. Like, they're both basically about family and like love. Like, I know Rio, Nanami, and Jowie yeah. aren't really like related, but they're basically a family. And uh, yeah. the way that this family like it's broken and then they get come back together and then I, I forget the context as to like how they confront each other but like they end up in this castle and nanami and ryo are like hey jawi how could he do this and like and jawi is like justifying why he did it like he's like i if i if only i could like bring if i if i could just lead my this country like there'll be no more yeah. fighting and stuff and and yeah and then nanami's just like pleading with him and then suddenly like um uh like i don't know some i forget what they are like they're like with jowie but then they're trying to kill jowie too or something and then anyway like nanami's like prepared to fight prepared to fight those guys and then they shoot her and like I think it's like a pivotal moment. Like I don't know, it depends on your actions and throughout the game. But like, I like how she goes into it very cocky. She's like, you know, yeah. no problem. I can take care of this. You know, yeah. and you know, you kind of almost believe that confidence. She's that kind of Genki girl where it's like, yeah, she can do anything. You know, she's yeah, she she's almost a comedy character sometimes. Like her animations in battle are sometimes her like <laughs> yeah. like like goofing around with a, and yeah. having tea parties with the enemy and such. <laughs> I hope so, they so, turn so, the so flash for... down for that attack because holy crap. <laughs> but like, but. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, like her animations in this in this scene, like the the only yeah. time you ever see these animations, and they're just so heartbreaking. Like the way she looks at Jowie, like the way she looks down on the ground, and like, oh man, you can tell she really loves Jowie, and she just really wants the three of them to, you know, yeah, together again. Oh man, yeah. And they had that it, moment in the game where, yeah, isn't Anami like, you know, let's let's just run away together, you know, yeah. let's get out of here. This is getting too hairy. It's too complicated. It's too and you ugly. can say yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you can say yes. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. it's well, it, it's it's I weird. About that till years later, I thought they were gonna do one of those but thou most moments where you like, nah, okay, nah, we're not they going. let you totally peace out if you want. <laughs> yeah, I, don't you I get mean, like one of those like disrespect slaps? I think. <laughs> yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Nanami, Nanami will slap a fool if they deserve it. But the but like like I mean uh, Geo alluded to this a little bit, but uh, I I mean you start out as as three best friends uh, or adoptive siblings in Nanami's case that are uh, that are caught on one side of the war. Then Joey gets the idea that if he switches sides and takes over um, the, uh, Luca Blight's army, then he can end the war and 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 have the fewest number of people die by just ending the conflict early and decisively and brutally. But uh. But but that puts them on opposite sides. So Rio's sort of fighting for justice and freedom. Um, Jowie is fighting is on the more oppressive side, but he just but he wants to end conflict. And Nanami just is like, why why can't we just all, all be friends why again and stop fighting? <laughs> and it's and and so so for her, the ultimate sort of like character that wants peace and is and is funny and um and 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 sort of a a ray of sunshine character to be the one. That 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 passes away in the uh, in the turning point of the game, but but comes back later if you unlock the true ending, uh, is is completely uh, emotionally loaded. It's um and 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 I mean there uh, uh for a second, Geo, I thought you were going to talk about um the duel between Rio and Jowie at the end of Suikoden Two instead. Mm -hmm. 
which is another completely emotionally fraught moment. Them two teaming up, though, because they're both so pissed, is such oh, a man. great cathartic moment. Oh, man, when you get to use the, the Unite attack again after so long. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. The thing that wrecks every single mob in the game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that, like, the two moments that I would have picked it were not this moment, but they, like, I think it, it is part of the important arc of this. Like, like them, like, Nanami and Ryu waiting with Pilika um outside oh. of the uh, gates of muse is yeah. uh, like the, the the beauty of the shot while they're waiting is amazing and then what uh Celestia was just talking about but i think it creates this incredible arc um of these characters and of these moments and of this like really fraught familial relationship and i think it's what makes we into such a such a brilliant game yeah is that it is willing to look at these people as people in their flaws and in their the ways in which they fall short, but also the ways in which they are trying so hard to do the right thing, even if they are at polar opposites. In no other video game has pulled it off that way. Like that, yeah, you know, where exactly. they talk to themselves and really give you those moments where they open up. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. That's what I love about Suikoden too. Like it doesn't really cast judgment either way. Like it really just presents right. their their case. <laughs> and it's I'm fascinating like, too, because it has like this this monstrous villain on this one side yeah. who sort of this yeah. force of nature and every other Suikoden game tries to do it and they mostly succeed in a lot of ways that I think in does. some ways Suikoden 1 is actually more successful mm -hmm. um, in making nobody everybody's position sort of understandable but not in the emotionally fraught way that Suikoden 2 do, does it um, because even in 5 which I won't we're, not, we're only spoiling 2 right now I promise <laughs> even in 5 where people betray you like it's still not really a betrayal whereas here it, it is genuinely a betrayal yeah yeah it, um, it's kind of incredible it, how Suikoden amazing. yeah Suikoden 2 has maybe the most one dimensional villain in in the series that I've played but his extremism like put next to all these other characters with complicated mo motivations and emotions it makes those complex characters seem better because they they have to, to defeat that force of nature one-dimensional luca blight sort of requires cooperation from everyone <laughs> even luca bright like he had a pretty awful upbringing if i recall like he's yeah that's, that's stuff you learn like through like drama cds and stuff but yes his his childhood was rough <laughs> and how much of it was him and how much of it was the beast rune is kind of so, a, like, you don't want to sympathize but you understand how they got the way they got we have a whole podcast about that very issue <laughs> yeah. we do and I, I think i think when that remake comes out it might be time for another podcast on that topic oh for sure <laughs> we agree on that that'd be great to revisit i think i think it'd be a great idea just because yeah we got to talk about it <laughs> Okay, um, so um, we have Everybody four more a moments. Everybody allow for a deep sigh to get the feeling back. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, I need it. <laughs> so we have four more moments. Is there anybody who's really dying to talk about their next moment? I can go. I, I think mine's pretty, pretty good to, to get in with. I, I didn't want to be too complicated with this one. I really wanted to go with uh, Final Fantasy IX, I, I I, but I think that's a lot of like really good, happy moments. Um, and I 100% I believe they are, you know, remaking slash remastering 9, so I think we're going to be talking about that one in the near future anyways. But let me just say it, Final Fantasy X. <laughs> <laughs> it's that ending. Uh, I remember, like, I don't know, I was, like, a tween when ten came out or something like that. I was kind of just learning about my budding emotions and all that stuff. Uh, but the ending of 10 absolutely wrecked me. And then when I replayed the game and I still knew it was coming, the ending of 10 once again absolutely wrecked me. Just the way it's done is just really well done. Um, 
so you know, it, it stopped me if you haven't heard it before. But uh, anyway, so essentially, you find out in the end that your main boy is a part of the sort of how do you describe the faith? I don't understand it. I'll be honest, I still don't get it. I I think of them as sort of like ancestral like spirits that are sort of anchored to the world by those shrines. Yeah. But, but but they have a lot of power and influence. And That's a good and way of explaining mm-hmm. it, yeah. Yeah, and 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 Titus and um and Jekt were both dreams oh, of the faith, like from a dream world that the faith created, but brought into the real world because they had some some task to accomplish. So so Titus is a flesh and blood person, but he's only there because the faith dreamed him. And yeah. when the when uh, when the ending of Final Fantasy X basically allows the faith to pass Free. on yeah, permanently, that also means that Titus disappears. Uh, and and it's the presentation of such is that like you know the the cat was out of the bag before the ending actually happened, so it's not really a surprise to our hero, uh, but it is a surprise to the party. And of course, you know you've you know you've already been you know very uh, intimate with uh, with you know Yuna at this point, so you know she's saying goodbye to her ghost boyfriend, and it, it's just the presentation that you know like she tries to run and hug him, and she falls right through him. It's so heartbreaking that you can't even say a final goodbye in the real way. You know, uh, is is, is it weird that when you said that, I I thought to myself, no, no, I thought Auron was the ghost boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the, the part that actually cracks me up at the end is when he dives into the ghost world and he, like, high-fives his dad. It's like, yeah! Yeah. The, uh, that part always kind of cracks me up. So, like, I got tears and then I'm, like, laughing at the same time like an idiot. Especially since, like, like Jekt is a candidate for candidate for worst RPG dad. So for, yeah. for, for, yeah, for, so for Titus to have this, um, th- th- this awful relationship with his father and for them and for Jekt, for like Jekt's weird monstrous form to be the game's final boss and then for like Jekt and Titus both finally getting to to pa- pass on them yeah. sort of like greeting each other as in a friendly way instead of a, instead of this like i instead of like i mean i mean when, when Titus says his fa- sees his father for the first time in years he just straight up says i hate you I- and Love so, that. That was cathartic for me because I sadly do not have a great relationship with my parents. Yeah, but it, 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 there's so much going on here because, like, like Titus has this good relationship with Yuna that that you know it's it's beautiful young teenage love and this awful relationship with his dad and he ha- he's he's being torn away from this world with Yuna that he loves to go <laughs> spend eternity with his dad. Maybe great. is is a little weird. <laughs> Like I, so I don't care for that part, but like honestly, yeah, the part where he actually like you know he's both crying and saying that he hates him is like I I don't know if if anybody here has like the same kind of tumultuous relationship with their parent, but like it is both those things you want to love your parent, you know they were there they raised you and all that stuff, but you know sometimes they're bad people. Sometimes you just get moments where you know, they're not good to you. They weren't good parents. They weren't attentive. They didn't care what you did ignored you or you know whatever else so for titus to break down you know and say that he hates his old man i thought was a really really big deal i I hate that they ended up that stupid high five even though it's funny to me um uh, you know uh and yeah i know i was talking about yuna but like i don't know i thought it was a it was a big deal because it's interesting that not many games always present their parents in such an evil light like that and they do a good effort to show that jack is a bit of a son of a bitch (laughs) In, in any way you slice it like you know, his mom is not even a real playable character. She's just mom, <laughs> and she looks like a basic 
lady and oh, yeah straight up they're just ignoring <laughs> the kid it was sad you. should we should we do a, a a worst moms and dad fe- moms and dads feature <laughs> like we, we can bring God, in a yeah. I, I think Jack might have been an honorable mention on our our best okay. dads, best dads feature, but because I, I I could I can do a, a quick 150 words on Chazelle from uh from Tales of Eternia. <laughs> yeah, that one's interesting though because she was really nice, wasn't she? Yeah, she was like really sweet. And she's like, "Are you okay, Mary?" But then like, what? The darkness took her over. Some bananas. I don't know. Mm. It was the darkness. <laughs> I, I'm glad that you brought up how, um, like, the way that Jekt is, because, like, he is presented as, like, a fully, I actually think in some ways Jekt is the most fully formed character in the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, like, while he is obviously a terrible father in so many ways, and that moment with Titus, I agree, is is very, very uh, powerful. But he's also presented as, like, a fuller picture of a person. Um, beyond just being a parent, you know him outside of that. And I think yeah. it's so often we define characters in video games by, like, they're a parent whereas jack is not defined just by that but i think a lot of the things that 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 are that that he is are not are things that make him not a great parent right um but he also is like a weirdly kind of likable character in some ways um and so i think that jack is 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 actually one of the better final fantasy characters um and and because of that i think that it allows us to hate him in a real way, the same way that we might hate our parents in a real way. Um, or it helps us know why Titus hates him in a real way. It, and I think it's really important. Between, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I really like that, like, both, uh, like, Titus and Yuna are sort of a product of very famous parents, you know? So they're kind of left in sort of a weird shadow, in which case, you know, Titus hates his dad and, you know, Yuna very much respects and, you know, admires and wants to look up to his example. And, and and also, um, like Jekt is only known as a hero in Spira, and yeah. was and was a a, a, a famous Blitzball player in uh, in Old Xanarkand. And, and stop and, me if this has ever happened to anybody. When you have people over, and your parent is a pain in the ass to you, but oh my god, are they the sweetest person when you have company over? Oh man. <laughs> yeah, it, like like like, like it, it probably tears Titus up that everyone loves Jekt except for him. Yeah, the person that Jekt is supposed to love. Yeah. So I, I actually weirdly think it does this kind of celebrity parent idea in a very interesting way. That's not really done, to be honest. You know, it really presents a much way, more ambivalent picture. It's like, you know, at least Brasco was a, was a really common, cool guy, cool guy. But like, you know, Jack mm-hmm. was the, the guy smoking at bars and dealing with brawl on his yeah. own. <laughs> kind of guy I'd like to have a beer with, but that's about it. <laughs> that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know, did you have to go back to your family? Huh? Oh, yeah, damn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyways, so at the end, yeah, you know, Yuna runs through her ghost boyfriend. But I do love the, the final visual where he, like, fake puts his arm around her. And he's he's still kind of, you know, <laughs> clipping into her. But, like, it's still that symbolic hug that I think is just the sweetest thing. Yeah. And, don't, and then don't he th- came back yeah. in the second game for some reason. <laughs> Don't don't they say like I love you at the end? That, that's like a first, right? If I'm not mistaken. Apparently, in the Japanese version, they weren't like that. I I kind of prefer the love you one. It's a bit more clear. I think she just says like the sayonara, like that that definitive, you know, farewell in the Japanese version. But yeah, in the ah. American one, they, it was more like a I love you. <laughs> a little hokey, but I think it gets the sentiment across I, a bit better I, than I, I think I think they've earned that I love you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, they're they're making ten three, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, do it one day. I'd play it. <laughs> <laughs> I sincerely think they want to remake ten. 
Sorry about that. Oh, kitty. <laughs> that was delightful. I'm not cutting that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, uh, we have three more moments here. Um, yeah. Do, do we want to have a double shot at the end or I the, think we're, I think we're going to do a double shot at the end. Okay. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll go with you next. Lucy. Works for me. Um, Yoko Taro was earned a very emotional baggage kind of king. I think. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> Yoko Taro is a master emotional manipulator, but we're not going to talk about him yet. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> in, in, instead, uh, I mean, we've talked a lot about character deaths or near deaths in this episode. So, and and, and that makes sense because a lot of emotional moments in RPGs are surrounded around, are uh, you know, surround character deaths. So I decided to talk about a series uh, for a little bit that's basically about about uh characters murdering each other in sp- <laughs> specific order and fashion uh danganronpa uh is is three games and and three one and two halves of an anime <laughs> about that that are about um uh in in general they're all about a group of teenagers being locked in a confined space um that that is ruled by a strange bear named monokuma and the only way to escape is to kill each other uh and uh and then hold trials so uh, but if a murderer is discovered then they're executed but if a murderer gets away with their murder at the trial then they're allowed to escape so it's generally it's another one of those it, moments where it's like you know <laughs> hey if we don't murder each other everything will be fine we'll be let go they the try that a couple occurred. times yeah they try that like... a couple times and then monokuma will usually change the rules or uh or or torture them in some way until murder happens there's a moment in danganronpa <laughs> one where uh until murder happens yeah 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 <laughs> well it, there's a moment in danganronpa one where um uh he, he basically rev- uh um he sends everyone a letter and then in that letter uh yeah. is that person's deepest darkest secret and if if a murder doesn't happen in the next twenty four hours, then everyone will get to learn everyone's secrets. And another one in um in Danganronpa two, where they're um everyone's locked in these in these strange tower buildings, and uh and there's going to be no food or water until someone dies. And and uh and there's emotional moments around those chapters that I and could talk about. There's an emotional moment where they put a perfect couple together. Uh yeah, I almost <laughs> I almost talked about that. That, that. that's the same one with the starvation in the weird in the weird houses. Um, th- that one messed me up, but, and, but, and, and there's so many I could talk about because uh, what, what, the, what Danganronpa does is put these teenagers in, impo- in impossible situations where they're f- forced to kill each other. The circumstances are always weird and convoluted. And, yes. um, and, and, and a lot of the time, especially in the one that Steph was mentioning, you sort of like really grow to like or love these characters. And, uh, and then, and then you, you, and then again, cruelly, one of them is torn away from you. Um, and, and sometimes like these characters have friendships and relationships and the death of one will devastate the other. And, uh, and yeah, and then it starts to lead to that collision effect where it's like, they're emotional right now. Maybe they did something in the next one. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so messed up. And, and like, and and sometimes a character that, that that suffered incredibly in the previous trial or murder gets killed in the next chapter. And it almost feels like you're putting down old yeller. It's, um, it, it, like it, it, it's, it, it is completely devastating how this is a game about death and murder and solving murders. Old Yeller that, the that, game. That, yeah, oh god. I, I, I'm not going to play that game. Uh, uh, Zach, sorry, uh, Old Yeller the game probably has the dog die in it. Um, I'll pass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to, to my knowledge, no, no dogs are, uh, are killed in Danganronpa, but there are some bear robots destroyed and some, ham- and some hamsters adopted. Uh, oh, I love the hamsters. I, 
I, I know I love the hamsters too, Steph. But we're not going to talk about the hamsters today. I promise. I'm glad they're fu- they were fine, right? Uh, yeah, yes. Um. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh. It, it's um. It, after something horrible happens, the hamsters are adopted. Um, I feel saying the hamsters is adopted really narrows who. who well, yeah, yeah. Uh, a minor the best character though. Yeah, yeah. Midpoint spoilers for my favorite. Ca- for best, for my yeah. favorite. Yeah, midpoint spoilers for my favorite character in Danganronpa too. Should I just talk about him instead? Uh, no. It's literally one of those characters where they funneled all the good ideas in one character. Yeah, and, and at the beginning he seems ridiculous and stupid, but by the end you're like, oh my god, top five character all time. Um, but <laughs> to the- quote him, ha ha. Like it's just that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, oh boy, I, I I love that guy. But anyway, we're not talking about um about Gundam and Sonia from Duncan Rampa Two. I'm just gonna stop beating around the bush, I guess. Um, like when I was thinking about the character, the, the characters in Duncan Rampa that I got the most emotionally invested in, or whose death I was the most emotionally destroyed by, um, I went back to Duncan Rampa One and the character Sakura. Sakura is a uh is is a is a martial artist girl. Who She's wears? Yeah, yeah. She wears a very, very, uh, a very, very cute, cutesy feminine, um, uh, jet schoolgirl uniform. Kind of looks like, uh, kind of looks like Sakura from Street Fighter, actually. Um, but but she herself is heavily mus- uh, muscled with a uh, with like a very angular face and wild hair. So she's like this a, a scary looking woman who's dressed like a cute schoolgirl. They which never is... explain it to. It's just one of those things that is what it is. It is it is what it is and she is terrifyingly powerful. Like she's the yeah. only person that can like physically match up to the murder robots keeping you in this in this boarded up schoolhouse. But uh so anyway, but but Sakura in spite of her appearances is a very level-headed, uh, sweet, friendly girl who she, who makes friends with uh, with uh, easily with all the other students there. Um, her best friend is a girl named Aoi, and uh, and ba- basically, um, this happens in the second half of Danganronpa One, where uh, like basically there there there's I forget the exact circumstances, but um, Monokuma is putting pressure on the students again to make another murder happen. Uh, and and by now I think uh, seven or eight students have already died, and uh, I think the starting cast is uh, fifteen or sixteen in each of the three main Danganronpa games. Um, and so th- th- they need another murder to happen soon. And spoilers for this entire case in the, in in the middle of Danganronpa one, um, Sakura decides to take her own life in a way to sort of spite Monokuma and and uh, and not have anyone need to commit murder again. And, uh, but that's not clear at first because when the yeah. when the murder scene is discovered, um, it's been tampered with, and Ao- uh, and Aoi, uh, basically, uh, like sees a uh, was the person to first discover the body, but she and she believes that Sakura has been murdered. Um, wait, no, 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 no. Sorry, she believed that Sakura was forced to kill herself, so she messes around with the crime scene, takes away uh, uh, uh the letter that Sakura left. And um, yeah, during the right. trial afterwards, Aoi uh, is accusing people left and right, and 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 uh, and sort of casting despair and doubt everywhere. And, and, and but also, if they if they guess the murderer wrong in the trial, then everyone besides the murderer uh, is 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 executed. So Aoi basically decides that because Sakura was forced to kill herself, everyone else now has to die. And and that's that's the gameplay narrative you're dealing with in that trial. It's it's like. Uh, like you don't know who the killer is because it's it, it's not clear at first that Sakura took her own life, but uh, but like um, at Aoi is can is is accusing people left and right. Um, the character Byakuya, who's a bit of a jerk, is uh is is trying to, is is uh like seems really suspicious, 
but is uh but is um also aggressively wants to search for the murderer the two main characters makoto and kyoko are trying to be more even tempered and 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 uh and just find out who did it um and there's the fortune telling jerk who's just a complete non-character and i wish he died instead of sakura uh (laughs) i don't even remember his name (laughs) um and 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 I think I think Toko is still alive in that one. Yeah, yeah, Toko doesn't die. Toko is a complete maniac. That we don't talk about. Toko, Toko. survives it all despite yeah. everything. Yeah, despite everything. <laughs> it's one the of those. yeah, the, the like, why did this character get to live? They're like the Looney Tunes character that keeps dodging the anvil on the head. Like, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, exactly. Like if if um if if all the Looney Tunes characters started killing each other in a murder scenario, why does Taz the Tasmanian Devil somehow emerge innocent <laughs> after out of all yeah. this? <laughs> Okay, I'd play that game, by the way. But uh, but but that Rampa Looney Tunes, <laughs> Looney Tunes Well, I mean, part of the part of why Danganronpa was popular in Japan was because a legendary vo- voice actress, the voice of Doraemon, was the voice of Monokuma. So oh, here, gosh, so really? so yeah, so hearing cool. like the 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 last role of uh, of Doraemon turn into a murder robot bear was kind of incredible, which is which is again one of the sell- selling points just for the first Danganronpa game. Although I think she was in the second one as well, but but anyway, sorry, I I go on tangents easily. But back to Danganronpa, like Sakura being this uh, weird incongruous character, yeah. um, but also totally lovable, and taking her own life to stop everyone else killing each other, and seeing the group tear themselves apart in the in the trial, especially Aoi, who's completely emotionally damaged by Sakura's passing this one honorable character among all the squabbling exactly like the one honorable character among among all these people backstabbing and trying to kill each other was the one that had to go and uh and aoi who's who's normally just as sweet and bubbly as sakura is being like like the villain of that particular trial chapter was yeah was was a complete mess at the after the end like everyone uh, realizes that sakura killed herself and uh and everyone votes on that on that outcome except for aoi because Aoi still just wants, like, has decided everyone else must die. At the end, Monokuma uh, reveals that he tampered with Sa- with Sakura's um, suicide note d- deliberately to set Aoi off edge. And and uh, and uh, the note that Sakura truly left was much more, you know, um, was much more honorable and respectful <laughs> as you'd expect from Sakura. So, so like, uh, like for a game that's an emotion- emotionally manipulative, for uh, for maybe the most likable, lovable character to pass away in a in a emotionally manipulative chapter like i just felt exhausted afterwards there's only there's only one case left to go yeah there's only one case left to go after sakura's death and um i i just felt like it was a lot to deal with um the danganronpa games are very very interesting if you're okay with this amount of murder and despair in one video game At, at least all of the blood is uh is is colored like neon pink just to just to create a a vibe of of its own sort of but uh yeah, these games are full of murder and despair and emotion that and they go unexpected places. But I'm not sure I've ever played a game other than, that wasn't made by Miyoko Taro that's better at making you fall in love with characters and then and then and then and then, and then like and then just throw them away. So uh, I, I don't know if this was an endorsement or a warning against Danganronpa. <laughs> But, but I that... mean, it was a full blown endorsement for me because I was only half listening because I haven't played Danganronpa, so like I, I'm trying to not yeah, retain same. the information that you're saying. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I, uh, so sorry if I, I spoiled oh, a couple fine. moments. No <laughs> it's play all good. All three games. Skip to Spare Girls. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Skip to Spare Girls. The anime is is maybe the most devastating thing I've ever seen or read, other than uh, 
Oh boy. Other than McTeague by Frank Norris, maybe. Um, uh, Frank uh, Norris, th- 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 that that book is is pure you, despair. Yeah, yeah but what but, about hey, Grave of the Fireflies? Maybe I don't know. Y- y- similar, <laughs> but like, but but McTeague has more betrayal and and darkness and in and, and, and Danganronpa definitely does. And I and like I'm still mad about one of the twists in Danganronpa V3, but we don't need to go he into does that. Like like psychotic characters pretty well. Yeah, it's 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 extremely anime, extremely dark. But if you sort of go in with the right expectations and want to be surprised and shocked a little bit, it's v- they're very, very good. Yeah. And there's a, th- a thousand ways to play them now that they're on every single system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they started out as Vita exclusives in the, in the West and, and PSP oh, exclusives in Japan. But, uh, but th- 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 those days are behind us. But uh, yeah, Sakura's death in Danganronpa 1, hugely emotional, a game-changing moment. And uh, Danganronpa is a game about just emotional murder that uh, murders you emotionally. Uh, I will say the final but, death of two got me really good. I almost talked. There's a, there's a bunch I almost talked no. about instead of Sakura and <laughs> that, and, and that one, don't tell me th- that one was on the list. Nothing. It's on it's the list. Good. It's on yeah, the list. Please play it so we can brag about, so we can like yeah. talk about them later. <laughs> we, there are Dungan, you? there are Danganronpa podcasts for one, two and three in the That's RPG true? fan family of podcasts. But what were you going to say? Gio? You know, I mean, I, I will say like, there's like this one emotional moment in V3, like, uh, or like one emotional death in V three where the killer doesn't even know that they killed anyone. So it's like yes, that I, that that's that's the third one, and I almost yeah. did that one instead. Like the the first and third cases in V three, the uh, first uh, and fourth cases in 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 one, and then the third and f- I'm sorry, yeah, the third and fifth ones in in Danganronpa 2 like I I I had a list of all the Danganronpa cases and I wasn't sure which one to talk about and I decided literally minutes before this podcast to do to do Sakura (laughs) because that's the that's the amount of loaded emotion that is in this series that's actually a really good pick like yeah you could have easily gone for the other ones but it's the circumstance of Sakura and the kind of character that she is that yeah it's a great pick and yeah I'm, I'm still mad about like well, there's like four big twists in Danganronpa V3, and I think like three of them are great, and one of them just makes me furious. If it's the ending, I will absolutely disagree. Yeah. I no, it, it's 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 mm, no, it's something what about is? the ending that recontextualizes the first case. I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll message oh. you later. Oh, okay, okay. I I think I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Funny, we're spoiling everything, but we're trying not to spoil. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't <laughs> want do do? to spoil this for people that haven't played it because <laughs> no, I. I because I, I listen to podcasts all the time about things that I haven't been spoiled for. Um, but yeah, uh, we're kind of talking about these, and some of you all are talking about, like, well, now I kind of want to play, you know? And I hate that that can kind of happen where it's like a juicy spoiler can convince people to play, but... Yeah, I, I haven't talked about every spoiler in Danganronpa, and I, think, and I think we should probably stop talking about it soon. But the but, uh, but But generally speaking, these are emotionally loaded games that I thought it was very appropriate for this topic. Yeah. Speaking of emotional loaded games, Let's how's that for a segue? <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> That's good, right? I give that uh, one an eight and a half out of ten. <laughs> a series. It of... also recontextualizes things. Get it? Uh, all right. Anyway, um, this is so... a series of of like jaw dropping, throw things in your mouth moments. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so um, we actually have two moments from a single game, and I almost said like, "Nah, we can't do that." And then I was like, "Wait a second, <laughs> this game." This game we could do with two of them. It, it it's, it. The, I, I, I'm the host today. I get to choose. And this is Nier Automata we're talking about here. Um, and Nier Automata is worthy of being talked about twice. So uh, my moment is later than Tim's. Yeah. So I am going to go ahead and let Tim talk about her moment. Um, and then I will talk about mine. 
Yeah. Um, Be gentle. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing Pascal's despair and um, cure podcast audience. <laughs> oh my god, Pascal. <laughs> yeah, Pascal is just like uh, this machine who's just so kind, compassionate, and practice uh, pacifism and leading in his own village oh by the way i'm not sure if all of you know that pascal is actually a male but voiced as a female just because he wanted to sound soothing for the children oh. <laughs> let, let that be a prep it's already you know? getting yeah. it's already it getting hard okay there. stop uh. <laughs> uh so yeah um he believes that yeah uh Teaching the kids, like uh, the people in his village, the f- concept of fear would like be beneficial to them, uh, because like uh, over the hundred years he has lived, um, uh, witnessing so many uh, of his companions dying due to war between like the machine and the androids. So like that's. That's the path that he thinks that uh, was right. So um, uh, then, uh, there's so much there's, context; it gets hard to talk about. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it really just surprised me. Like fast forwarding to this um, route C in the game um, when you're playing as A two, and like actually, I I also find it really fitting that A2 was like the one uh the one you're controlling in that situation because like um similar to Pascal A2 was like alone the entire time already like she already adopted to live uh, losing all of her people and and I think they're kind of similar in a way except that A2 just just doesn't really express her emotions that well <laughs> compared to Pascal. They being... did a really good job in that game. So it's like they're all robots, so they're emotionless. But yeah. You can see how it slips through the cracks, you know, and then it just becomes worse and worse that these emotions really start taking over these characters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like when... you feel for it. You're like, how can you not emote? Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. All these terrible things are happening. Who wouldn't? Yeah, the thing is when when I played uh near Automata, uh uh, my I, my my friend was the one who recommended it to me, and he didn't say a word as well about it. But he mm-hmm. he made he made sure that um he he told me like I should let him know as soon as I can if I finish the game or like if I reach reach mm-hmm. a certain part that I wanna uh talk about. So um yeah. So Are when I reach the podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I reach this part when um suddenly the machines in the village uh of pascal everyone started being rampant and they started feeding off each other and it just i I was also like super shocked like what the what the fuck is happening The song they play in that village, it has like those childlike vocals. Yeah, yeah. Kind of sell the innocence of this Mm -hmm, place. Exactly. 
you know and even worse when like thing like near itself like again it's another one of those games that's really good where it's like you spread throughout the world and you meet all these weird people in every corner but they're friendly yeah you know, everything is fine for a split yeah second it's like all these people are coming together you're doing quests for them and then all of a sudden you know something <laughs> breaks and just the spiral into madness is kind of mm-hmm. crazy in those games and it's something that Yokotaro does really well, probably the best with Drakengard, because that game is just mm-hmm. evil incarnate yeah. in some ways. It made me never want to have babies again, but um, <laughs> for those who know, no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's always that one breaking point in near games where it's like everything is kind of okay. And like, yeah, this kind of sad crapsack world is kind of getting on its feet only for something, you know, the bow breaks and everything mm-hmm. falls apart and yeah so pascal is i think one of those big moments where you invest yeah. in something weird and you come back and everything is different yeah actually after playing near it was actually pascal who like really stuck with me like yeah. af- after so many years i'll never forget th- that specific scene when um uh yeah as i was saying earlier when his people started feeding each other already and uh in order to protect the others he brought them into this factory where he thought that they would be safe but apparently there were more machines who's who is going to attack them so yeah um i remember this part when he decided to help a2 to to kill all these machines just just so he could protect his people just so he could protect his children and then like i hate that part when like after fighting those enemies they really focused on pascal running back to the factory yeah and it was just tragedy coming back to uh, I think I remember the desperation in Pascal's voice, like the voice actor killed it, you know? And yeah, yeah. So wrought by it, and you know, yeah. everybody's gone, and they're just they just can't mm-hmm. like as a robot. It was you know, they so can't emotionally handle it. Yeah, it was so dark for me to, to just witness that, even though they were they were just machines, you know, but yeah. you can literally feel it like they were actual humans as well committing suicide, yeah. and the fact that they were like kids there so it was like what the hell yoko what the hell yoko is should be the title of the next near game <laughs> I, I think i think part of it is that they're um part of the of the game is that uh that that like you don't need to be a human to be human because yeah. It, yeah. Th- th- this is about a war between androids and robots, and mm-hmm. but but the robots are uh, like they're they're sort of cute looking. They have these these round blank faces. Yeah. But then the friendly robots in Pascal's visit village are f- genuinely feel like robots that want peace. And throughout the game, you see robots that are sort of discovering emotions mm-hmm. or awakening to emotions. Some of them are wearing like hats. Yeah, you know? some of them are wearing hats. Some of them are some yeah. of them are some of them are trying to have sex with each other, but they don't totally yeah. know what sex is. <laughs> So they, yeah. and uh, and so like and and this cannot continue. This yeah, cannot continue. yeah, and and then the, and then some robots sort of like like want to believe in a higher power, so they start a weird robot uh, religion cult. Yeah, become like become as go- gods. Become as gods moments. Yeah, it was just like I remember just like feeling a shiver up my spine. I was like, yeah, but so cool and creepy. And but 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 Pascal <laughs> wanting to teach robots fear. Yeah. Uh, it, like, and um, because because it'll make them more human and more and more self-preserving. 
but for the fear to overwhelm the baby robots and have them take their own lives. I'm sorry, there's an unusual amount of suicide in this episode. Mm. It was, oh, oh my God, especially since the Pascal village is, is the content warning. At the yeah, may, maybe we episode. should, be, but, but mm. yeah, but for Pascal's village to be the village of peaceful, happy robots with the yeah. children singing in the background. And then for Pascal, the nicest character in the game to go through this emotional ringer watching or like viewing the aftermath of robot babies commu- ki- uh, killing themselves is like, what the, what the hell Yoko? <laughs> I remember when you first enter that village, you follow a robot with a white flag. Like, yeah, so yeah. They were waving them. No, no, yeah. no, no. Pascal wants to, wants to communicate that they don't mean any harm. So he yeah. asks that, So he asks everyone in the village to wear it, to wave white flags. And, 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 and if you talk to some of the robots, they, they don't understand. They're like, we're waving this white flag. Cause it's fun. And in a way that's like, it, it's all just sort of off, but all very endearing. And then they just completely burn it all down. Yeah. And the first near does that absolutely does that too. So like everything is fine. Oh. You got like a party of three people and like, you're kind of like a weird Motley crew family. Uh, and then there's one point that happens where you have to go do a boss fight in your first village. And after that, like everything just kind of slow descent of into Yoko Taroism skins. And it's just lots of bad stuff yeah. from there on yeah. out. Oh my god, these games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I've talked a lot about Nier, both the first and the second of this podcast, so I won't I won't spend a lot of time talking about it, but I, I think that that Pascal moment, in terms of like pure emotional devastation, is the moment that I think is this game is at its strongest. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. th- there are other moments, I'll talk about one in a moment, that I think is even better, um, because it's doing something in, like, in a different way, but like, the way it manages to humanize all of its mm-hmm. characters. And I think that like the idea that like robots have consciousness too is a little bit tired, but I actually think this game is going so far beyond that. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And so far into the notions of how the robots try to seek humanity. Um, and it criticizes the ways that robots and humans try to seek humanity. Um, mm-hmm. That I think that um, it, it's really about like the ways in which we seek meaning. Um, and I think that, it, 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 it's such a, an interesting way with Pascal to get to this idea that like Pascal tried to seek meaning through teaching them through about fear and then their meaning became fear. And then what do we do with the idea of meaning? It destroys us when we live by it. So absolutely. Um, and, and like the fact that Pascal recognizes that and also that it gets to the philosophical concerns of this game so well is like, it, it's, it's stunning. <laughs> it's such a good moment. Um, we all we all wiped Pascal's memories, right? Like let let it, let him go back to his village. I walked away. Oh yeah, I I, <laughs> I I I think I think I was maybe overcome at that moment, but I, but it, but I was like I I don't want Pascal to live an empty existence when he was such this positive pre- presence that just wanted uh, robots to live peacefully and and uh, and learn about themselves. Um, like it, it felt like I would be sentencing to a pr- to prison to have him uh, wipe his memories and send him back to the village. So I just I just walked away and let him decide his own fate, which ended up being uh, a a dark and sad choice. Is it is it like I mean we're already this far? It's a self destruct, isn't it? I can't I, I don't remember either, but I th- I think if you go back, you do find Pascal's like I'm ninety uh, percent sure that. Pascal's remains are there afterwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when you go back to the village, yeah, so it's a lobotomized, you know, basically a lobotomized Pascal, and um, it's selling, like, the cores you get from the yeah. robots. Yeah. Oh, it's man. horrific, it's, but at yeah, least Pascal's happy? The parts that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so essentially, yeah, Pascal is selling the parts of the people mm-hmm. they protected. And that's like, oh, my God. 
Yeah, I, I remember when I played this. Um, I I was just like going through a heartbreak, but then after playing Automata, it's like I was more heartbroken playing this game. <laughs> that is fair. Oh wow, <laughs> goodness gracious, that is fair. Things to heal a heartbreak. Yeah, I mean, I I, I totally understand sadder. that because actually yeah. the moment I'm about to talk about is that for me in almost all circumstances. So okay, so play near automata to make your to make your recent breakup seem a lot less bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, I mean because like um and uh, my moment, um which uh, follows fairly closely on to Tins is ending E, um, which, uh, is such a remarkable moment in video games. I still don't think it has been topped. I think it's going to be a long time before it is topped in terms of the of how it's working on a a video game medium level, but also an emotional level and also a philosophical level. Yeah. So um, those of you uh, also like, if you haven't played in your own amata, please stop listening right now. Um, go play the you game. Should have done that ages immediately. Ago. <laughs> exactly. Um, but when you hit the end of near automata, um, you are playing basically through the C route is both um, a two and nine S two characters who have a lot of rage and a lot of unhappiness uh, about a lot of different uh, about a lot of different things and some of 9S the moments is like arc is just so good to yeah me. so uh, like some of the moments with 9s um they're like so I, I they're so identifiable too it's like how else would a person react right yeah. um to these moments but th then eventually they like you either choose to play as a2 or 9s in the final battle but if you want to get ending e you have to play as both of them because they're fighting against each other um, and then if you get to ending E, um, it becomes basically like the android or the droids, like these, um, uh, what are they called? The flying shooty things. The heck? A shmup? A shmup, yes. Yeah, yeah, either, either a top-down shooter or a shmup. No, 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 I just yeah. mean like the actual, the actual, um, oh, the enemy? No, the things that follow you around and they shoot. The pods. Oh, oh, oh your little your, your yeah. drones or pods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, so I'm, it becomes like a conversation <laughs> between the two pods about like what they're going to do because they, the notion yeah. is like humanity and the, the uh, and the robots and everything has collapsed to such a degree that like they, they're supposed to, according to the program, like let things go. I, I genuinely thought and in some of their conversations that your two plot pods were flirting with each other. Oh, I think what? that's definitely part of it. Oh. Yeah, it's, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe I mentioned that in our in our near automata podcast have, I, I, way long ago, but I but I I remember like like re seeing that conversation going. Are they are are, are they into each other? Is, is, I, what, think, I, think, is, I think there's a little bit of I think there's a little bit of a hint of that, which I think is purposeful as well. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like it's just my it, it fe that feels like my Nintendo Switch falling in love with my microwave or something. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds so Tell cute. Me more. <laughs> Um, but I, I think that, that then after that, they decide to like sort of reject their programming and fight against the creators. And then it becomes a shmup where you are literally uh, firing on like the credit sequence, um, which is oh, incredibly nice. difficult. It's basically impossible um, to do on your own. I, I'm not sure if I've ever seen anybody do it on their own. I'm not sure if the game even allows that. I, I got pretty far, but it definitely became impossible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then it asks if you want to take on other people's help. Um, and it's, uh, and in one way, and it asks you a bunch of times, um, or I actually only ask you once if you want help, I'll get to the bunch of times in a second here. Um, and then you take help from other people who have cleared the game, other people who have been involved in this game. So it gets to this idea of video games. And then when you get to the end of it, it asks if you want to sacrifice yourself to help somebody else. And always the question, and they ask you like the question like six times, because in order to help someone else, you have to delete your save data, which is way more powerful than it is in the original Nier. Which I don't so want to get emblematic. into. Yeah, that's just all those cute. elements in a second here. But like, 
when it asks, like, will you help someone you don't even like? Um, I, I think it's such a critical element of what this game is doing because like, I, and I think that you're absolutely right in terms of what you were talking about with Pascal and like the people like they're going to become as gods. They're trying to have sex, like all these different ways in which people try to find meaning. And when they mm-hmm. attach meaning and they make meaning, the thing they care about in their life, they forget about other people who don't agree with that. meaning. Um, and in this case, it, it forces you to fight for people who might not agree with your meaning. And um, you know, I, the, the, I, I've beaten this game to completion three times. The first time uh, the girl I was dating had just cheated on me. The next time she finally broke up with me. Um, And then the last time uh, one of my other grandparents had just died. And so like, I think about like the suffering that I was going through personally at those moments and how this game forced me to remember that it's not about me. It's not about what I think and what I care about. It's about what I can do for other people, regardless of what I think of them. Um, and I think that the fact that it gamifies it to such such degree and it makes it you take video games as a thing you participate in so seriously, um, but also forces you to think about how you treat other people makes it the greatest game in video game history or the vi- vi- greatest moment in video game history. And I think that it is stunning. And that is mm-hmm. thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right. All right. I'm, I, I'm not going to uh, leave any notes, but I, I but I do have to ask. Uh, I, I mean, I think everyone here has played near Automata. Um, uh, but did, the first time you played it, did you delete it? Oh, I didn't. I it took did. me to the third time. I didn't. I couldn't let it go till the third time. Yeah, same. Oh, I did. No, I did it. I did. Yeah, I did yeah. it. I also did. I, uh, I, I when like I, I felt, I, I felt like I, I wouldn't have this experience of playing it again for the first time, and it was so powerful. I, I, maybe i will revisit it someday but it's like all these people helped me beat those final end credits and that was such a powerful feeling i feel like i have to give it back so i i i didn't get every trophy and maybe i will replay it someday but i I deleted my save file yeah same here i felt like i I remember the game getting a little long in the tooth at that point so i was just like yeah delete it (laughs) i've played it thoroughly (laughs) still an amazing game just like you know a little warning to anybody who's excited to play it at this point It, it you know, it kind of gets a little long at the end, but it's absolutely worth it just because of how many twists and mm-hmm. bizarre scenes that I swear only Yokotaro oh, can pull man. off. Yeah. Like when you got the AIs fighting each other. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I kind of yeah. wish that a lot of other people who played it, like they would usually judge the game only just at the first part of the game. Like, mm. I, I, please like, play like it hot, until hot the end. Like hot robots killing other robots? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> So, I I think yeah, to fully like experience it, you really have to go through everything. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm like Solosi. Like I I I was like, oh, I have to pay it back because like these people helped me, quote unquote. So, um, I feel like I have to do it too. And like I I wanted to go back for my trophies, but then I was like, okay, whatever, I'll just play it again one day. Don't worry, you can just buy them. Yeah, exactly. I want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can. <laughs> I wanted to go back and buy them, but I was like, I don't know if I I would be allowed to go back and do this. So I was like, okay, I'll just pay it back now. Yeah. I, I you know I uh, I don't think my girlfriend has played this game, so I'm wondering if we, I could play it together and see someone else experience it for the first time. Oh, yeah. But it, but it might oh. make her so upset that she breaks up with me. So I'll I'll I'll, 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 I'll no, we we we, we love a Nikki here. Don't do I'll, that. I'll I'll, 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 I'll I'll think about that for a little longer. Isn't it fun when we can peer pressure, you know, our uh, our, our our friends and significant others to play stuff to yep. emotionally drain them? I'm still trying to get Alana it. to play Leonardo too, but it's fine. Oh, it's such a good game. Yeah, I think I'm gonna oh, get Tim to. I'm 
gonna get Tim to play Mother Three at some point. Ah, <laughs> oh. yeah, he actually showed me the last part as well, and I watched it too, and I also cried. This is coming from someone who who hasn't even played it yet. <laughs> yeah, it's that powerful. And I, I am happy to announce that Nikki is halfway through Yakuza Like a Dragon. As That's we very speak. important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> such a fun game though like from start to bottom i was just laughing yeah. my head off okay I-, I hate to pull one of those but oh my god i actually had one of those moments okay at the very end of yakuza like a dragon when ichiban is looking over the river over the bridge or whatever and I- everyone's talking i had a power failure and i can't believe that actually happened to me oh no it was it was like literally 10 seconds from the end we talk about rpg screen. emotions that's rage that's rage right there it's on topic one one, one time uh my mom accidentally pulled the plug on me like i was playing sweet in one and i was like two and a half hours that saving and i lost all of it and i cried i was so mad <laughs> very very recently when i was at the final boss of uh kirby in the forgotten land um my the power went out at my house but I, my switch was in the, uh, was in the, uh, uh, the, the console unit, and it, and it, it just continued on battery. So I had to, <laughs> I had to run to the TV, rip it out of the console, and finish it handheld. <laughs> so that, so that, 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 that worked out. <laughs> I, I think I took some damage from the boss, but it worked out in the end. Yeah. So uh, thank all four of you so much. Uh, thank you for dealing with my getting emotional during this um, about RPG emotions. I, I, I love their conversation. Um, I think we talked about some really great stuff. Um, and uh, I appreciate all four of you coming on to talk about uh, moments that meant a lot to you. I'm going for a nice walk and, you know. Yeah, I think I might too, actually. <laughs> I'm going to go deal with my thoughts. <laughs> I might need a drink after this. I, I think I'm going to drown my sorrows in tacos very soon. Oh. I, I might need a drink in <laughs> tacos then. That sounds excellent. <laughs> Um, so, uh, in terms of what's coming up, um, so as, as we're wrapping up here, let you know what's coming up here. Um, so, uh, our next two episodes will be about, uh, Final Fantasy VI, uh, which are going to be our game journals. Remember, we're currently on a bi-weekly weekly schedule, so in two weeks from now, you will hear an episode on Final Fantasy VI, um, and then you'll hear another one two weeks after that. I'll be hosting that, um, with at least one person who's playing it for the first time, so I'm looking forward to that. Ooh, oh, I excellent. love that. I love when we get at least mm. the one. Yeah, yeah, it's Ben who's coming on. Never played it before. I'm very excited. Nice. Um, so if you want to give us feedback, there are lots of ways to do it, but one of the best ways to give us feedback is to email us, retro at rpgfan.com. Slosi still checks that with some regularity, I know, and he got some good feedback recently, so it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you can also leave us feedback on Facebook. You can also leave us feedback on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can follow us on Discord, YouTube, Twitch. We are all over the internet. So if you're interested in what we do or RPG fan in general, you can find us in lots of places. We also have a shop. Um, you're going to see, I think we're going, there's, there's another sale that just happened recently. Um, but if you want to see, see some RPG fan merch, you can do that. We also have two other fine podcasts, uh, Random Encounter every two weeks, which is about current events. John Owen, usually someone else is talking about it, usually a, a recent game. And Rhythm Encounter, which is the other Monday every two weeks, and that's about RPG music. If you want to leave us feedback, you can leave us feedback on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever. We love feedback, especially the five-star variety. And uh, let's talk about where we can reach each of the different panelists, starting with you, Solosi. Right. Well, um, I am probably easiest to find on Twitter. I am at The Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs at other times. And uh, on RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. I am still on a uh, break from podcasting regularly, but I am not. I am not gone. Just taking a long break, and I am extremely grateful uh, for Zach that has um, that has uh, taken up show running Retro Encounter uh, with, with such um, with such deftness. So thank you, Zach. Oh, of course. 
It's uh, my pleasure. Love the show. Love you. So happy to help. Um, Tin, what do we got? How do we can get in touch oh. with you? Oh, I just can find me on Discord. My name is literally Tin there. So <laughs> I love that. I need, to, I, I need to go follow you. I don't think I even follow you right now. I need to. So this is over. I will. Uh, Geo, how can we get in touch with you? Uh, just like Tin, I'm 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 literally Geo on Discord on the RPG Discord. So. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and Steph, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Oh, God. Uh, definitely you can reach me by social media on our site. I am the uh, social media manager for the site. So anywhere you talk, I usually love talking to people on there. I love commenting on comments. Um, but if you want to, like, reach to me, you know, on a personal level or whatever, uh, I'm Dice, like, playing Dice, Dice SMS uh, on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere, basically, Instagram, all those. Uh, come come watch me. I usually like posting pretty pictures. I draw when I don't do this. I mean, she also draws pretty pictures. And for the record, the mm -hmm. moment that I would have chosen from Sweetened Two is rendered beautifully on my wall above my TV by Steph right <laughs> oh. now. Um, it's fantastic work. If you ever seriously, if you're listening, I don't mean to like say that you should work with anybody here, but Steph is an amazing artist, so uh, check her out. Um, and uh, if you want to get in touch with me, it's kind of difficult because I'm a teacher, so I'm not very active on social media, but if you want to email me, you can email me zachw at rpgfan.com or you can find me on our Discord at zachw. And uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, that was a, an emotional roller coaster that uh, went a little, a little darker, a little sadder than i was even expecting uh so thanks <laughs> thanks y'all for each other yeah i really appreciate yeah. that i appreciate all of you uh and i appreciate you listeners so thank you for listening good night and good luck Bye.